As you turn in there this morning, last week we talked about uh, the subject, the title, the message, He Got Up. We talked about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrated the empty tomb. Amen. We talked about what that means for us today. And this morning, amen, we're going to think about what happened after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, so after the disciples, they come to the tomb that morning, uh, after they're shocked to find the empty tomb, uh, after they are uh, caught off guard by the angels that are there that give them the message, you know, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Uh, the angels told them he's not here for he's risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Because Jesus knew he had from the time of his resurrection until he was going to ascend to the Father in heaven. He had 40 days. He had 40 days uh, that he was going to uh, talk to his disciples on a couple different occasions. There's a, uh, a couple of uh, encounters that he's going to have uh, with his innermost uh, circle, the 12, but also many other disciples and followers of his. He's going to show himself to over the next 40 days. Uh, and uh, he's really doing that to show and demonstrate that he is alive, that he is risen from the grave, and so that there would be, obviously, for us today uh, to take advantage of the fact that we have some eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we can know with a surety today, amen, that Jesus is risen from the grave, that he is no longer there. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that come with all kinds of theories on, you know, well, this could have happened or that could have happened. They could have planned this out. They could have, uh, they could have had this all, you know, worked out from the beginning uh, and uh, faked all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. Amen. Those 12 disciples and other disciples that follow Jesus Christ, many, if not all of them, laid down their lives for the fact that Jesus got out of the tomb. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to die for a lie. I'm not going to die. At some point, I'm going to say, okay, guys, it was, it was fake. Maybe one or two of them would have died, but not all of them. Amen. You read through the Scriptures, all the men and the, and the women that, uh, that suffered and were persecuted because they spoke the name of Jesus and said, we believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. That's enough proof for me to know he's alive. Amen. Today. So what do you think is going to happen? So Jesus rises out, you know, rises from the dead. He comes out of the tomb. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it says, uh, he's going to show himself, we know, uh, to Mary. Mary was the first one there, and he showed himself. He's going to show himself to Simon Peter. Uh, and, but what do you think is the first thing that Jesus is going to do, right? Uh, what, what's Jesus going to be on his agenda uh, to do right after he gets out of the tomb? Surely, you know, Jesus is going to go to Caiaphas, the high priest, right, the one that brought all these accusations against him and tried to have him killed. He's going to go to Caiaphas and say, hey, I, I told you so, buddy. Here I am. I got up. No. Surely he's going to go back to Pilate and say, Pilate, man, you should have listened to your wife because she had a dream about me. Remember that? And, uh, uh, and uh, God tried to warn her not to have anything to do with my death. And uh, uh, surely he's going to go back to Pilate, right? No. Nope. Maybe he's going to go on the pinnacle of the temple and stand up there where, the, where Satan tried to tell, uh, take him up there and tempt him one time. And he's going to stand up on the pinnacle of the temple and he's going to come out like he did during the transfiguration in front of all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and say, Here I am, the Son of God, the King of the Jews. 
Nope. You know what Jesus did immediately after rising out of the tomb? He went for a walk. And we're going to walk with Jesus on that journey that he took on the day of resurrection, the first Easter Sunday. So if you have your Bibles and you're in Luke chapter number 24, we're going to pick up reading at verse 13. It's going to be a little different this morning. We're just going to follow along with this story. It's a lot of scripture, so I'm going to do my best to keep my commentary to a minimum, but I want you to get the Word of God this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day, the same day of the resurrection, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Two of them. Think about this. We don't know much about these two individuals. We just know there's two of them, meaning they're two of Jesus' disciples. They weren't part of the inner 12. They're just followers of Jesus Christ. Now, later on, we find out that one of them in this story is named Cleopas. But instead of saying Cleopas all day, I'm just going to call him Cleo. Is that okay? I'm going to call him Cleo for short. Give him a nickname this morning. Man, we're never told the name of the other disciple, but most scholars believe it was Cleo's wife that was with him. But we don't have any record of who they were or what they did or really any other idea of who they might be from this, uh, except some scholars believe that, uh, amen, they could have been related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. They don't seem to be politically connected. They don't seem to be very famous. They're just two individuals who had followed Jesus and were walking down the road to Emmaus. But the problem is, Mr. and Miss Cleo are going the wrong direction. They are going from Jerusalem down to Emmaus. Emmaus is seven miles from Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem is the place where everything had just happened. Jerusalem is the place where the power of God was present to raise Jesus from the dead. Jerusalem was the place where Jesus is going to set up and begin and inaugurate Amen. His church on the earth is going to come, amen, some 50 days later, amen, on the day of Pentecost. Amen. But they're headed down the wrong road. This should have been, should have been, a day of celebration. This should have been a day of rejoicing. This should have been a day of happiness. But instead, Mr. and Mrs. Cleo are walking down the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus with their heads hung low. We read about it in the rest of this story. Because of all the events that have taken place this past week. Look at verse 14. And they talked together of these things which had happened. See, they're in the middle of a conversation about the events that had happened in Jerusalem. A lot had happened in three days. Can somebody say amen? A lot had happened in three days. See, they were hoping that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, that he was going to break the yoke of the Romans off of their necks. But Jesus was arrested. He was condemned to die. I mean, he was crucified and buried. And Jesus was their only hope and their best hope for redemption. And all they could see was that Jesus was dead and buried. And now he's missing. Look at verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now that's the powerful part of this story. 
Jesus could have gone to any number of people. He could have showed himself to any type of dignitaries or kings or anybody that he would have chosen to. Jesus, after his resurrection, found two people, two disciples. If you want to track along with me and say it was Mr. and Mrs. Cleo, who are depressed, who are all messed up in their minds, who don't quite know what to do next, don't know how to process all of the information that they've received over the last three days. Jesus finds the time to walk down the road with Mr. and Mrs. Cleo, who don't really appear to be very significant, do they? You see, that's the thing. So you don't feel like you're significant. Some of you don't feel like that you're worthy. Some of you don't feel like, amen, that God, amen, can use you. Some of you don't feel like that God cares about your problems. Some of us may feel like, amen, that God is a million miles, amen, away. Some of us may feel like, amen, that, 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 that Jesus, surely, amen, he's going to go and he's going to use and he's going to work in somebody else's life. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, Jesus works sometimes uh, in unexpected ways uh, and through unexpected people, amen. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus loves you uh, and he cares for you and he died for you. Uh, and this story just reminds us that he'll walk that road with us, amen, if we'll let him walk it, amen, with us this morning. Let me ask you a question. It's the title of this message. I forgot to mention it at the beginning, and I don't know, uh, Kendall probably put it up there. You don't have to put it back up there. And I want to ask this question. I'm going to remind us of this question as we walk down this journey this morning. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? Do you see him there walking with you? Because see, Jesus, uh, he came for the for the uh, the unextraordinary. Une- he came for those uh, that are feel like they're insignificant. He came for those uh, that are outcasts. He came for those, uh, amen, that are pushed aside. He came for those that nobody else wants and don't feel like they're good enough. Do you see Jesus? Amen. Do you see a Jesus, amen, that wants to draw closer to you. Look at verse 16. There's a problem with Mr. and Mrs. Cleo. The Bible says in verse 16, but their eyes were restrained that they did not know him. See, Mr. and Mrs. Cleo didn't recognize it was Jesus. Maybe Jesus didn't look exactly the same that he did before his resurrection. He's now in his resurrection body. He's in a body, amen, that one day those of us that are ready are going to receive when we're glorified one day. Amen. He's in this resurrection body and he can do things in this resurrection body that he couldn't do in that other body. Maybe he looked a little bit different. Could it also be that God himself, that Jesus himself, intentionally concealed his identity from them and kept them from recognizing who he was at this moment. We don't really know, but what we do know is this. Jesus wanted to come along beside and walk beside Mr. and Mrs. Cleo on their journey that day. And what he really wanted to get down to was what was in their heart. You see, Jesus is there with us when we don't even see him, 
or feeling or sensing. He's there. Amen. Our problem is sometimes we don't recognize He's there. We're too busy walking with our heads down from Jerusalem, the place of resurrection, to Emmaus, the place of disappointment. We don't see Jesus walking right beside us. You see, you've got to realize sometimes Jesus works through the struggle. See, we think it's always about the destination, but sometimes it's all about the journey that Jesus wants to walk with us. Uh, he is walking with you through the disappointment. He's walking with you through the struggle. He's walking with you through the trial. Amen. And whatever it is that you're facing, He's walking with us through those things. The question is, do you see Jesus? Can you sense His presence? If not, let me ask this question. What is holding you back? What is hindering you from recognizing His presence in your life? Look at verse 17. He said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another and you walk and are sad? You see, Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts. Can somebody say Jesus ain't stupid? He knew exactly what was going on in their heads and in their hearts. We read this and he says, you know, what is, what is this? What's, what kind of conversation is this you're having with one another and you're sad? See, a lot of times we feel like, you know what, we're, we're having to face this all on our own. We feel like sometimes we forget. I don't know why we do this, but we do. I do it, so I know you do it. I get in the middle of my moment, and I get in the middle of whatever it is that I'm going through, and suddenly I'll, I, I just all of a sudden forget that God knows everything. <laughs> and Jesus asked him this question. He knew exactly what was going on in their heart. But Jesus wanted them to tell him what was going on. In their heart. You see, Jesus already knows what you're going through and what you're facing. Jesus already knows the turmoil that's in your heart and in your soul. And He could fix it in an instant. He wants you to have a conversation with Him and talk to Him because He wants to have fellowship with you. The whole reason why that Jesus walked down the road to Emmaus with Mr. and Mrs. Cleo is because He wanted to have a relationship and a fellowship with them. He wanted to love them. He wanted to wrap his arms around them and tell them it's going to be all right. He wanted to be there for them. But the thing is, sometimes we've got to be willing to admit what's going on in our lives and surrender it to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I need some help, and I need you to help me fix this, and I need somebody with me. Let me ask you this. Do you see Jesus in your life? Do you see Jesus in what's, what, what you're going through right now? Do you see Jesus in your everyday life, in your walk? Not, not, not when you're here on Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to 11.45, or not when you're here on Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. Not, amen, when you're here, amen, on a, Sunday, on a Saturday at an Easter get-together, amen. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you get up tomorrow morning, do you see Jesus? When you get the call and there's bad news on the other line, do you still see Jesus? Jesus? 
when your heart is so heavy that you just don't, you can't, you don't seem like you can take another step, do you still see Jesus in your life? Do you recognize that He's still walking with you? That He wants to be more to you than just a name that is in a book that you can call out to when you pray? He's more than a cross you wear around your neck. He's more than a picture we hang on a wall. He wants to be more to you than that. He wants to be your friend. Do you see Jesus? When all else fail you and forsake you, do you still see Him? When family turns their back on you, do you still see Jesus? When all your friends forsake you and turn their backs and go the other direction, do you still see Him walking beside you? Desiring to have a fellowship and a relationship with you. Not to end all of your problems. Not to solve all of the the mysteries of life for you in a moment. But to simply in that time be your friend. A friend that will stick closer than a brother. A friend that will stick closer than anybody else. A friend that will never leave you and never forsake you and never give up on you and never stop loving you. Do you see that, Jesus? Verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleo answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there on these days? Doesn't that sound a little disrespectful to start with? I mean, we've got to give him credit. He doesn't know this is Jesus yet. But he just told the Son of God, Man, are you stupid? Have you been living under a rock, brother? Have you missed what's been going on in Jerusalem because everybody else knows what's going on? How did you miss it? Hey, man. Did you see... Hey man, Cleo didn't understand and know who he was talking to at that moment, but he's about to figure it out. And so Jesus, he just plays dumb, right? Look at verse 19. He says to them, what things? I'm sure there was a little bit of a smile on, on the Son of God's face in that moment. Hey man, he's just what he's like, oh, okay, I want to hear what you got to say about this. Look at verse, picking back up verse 19. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since all these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that uh, they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They got a lot of things right about Jesus. He was a prophet mighty indeed. He was condemned to die. He was crucified on a cross. 
He was buried in a tomb. Amen. It's the third day since all of this happened. <laughs> and the tomb is empty. They got all that right. But they missed the point because they did not see Jesus Amen. In the light that they should have seen Jesus in. They should have known, if they were a true follower of Jesus Christ, they should have known that on day number three, He was going to get up and walk out of the tomb. They should have known, amen, that He was alive, just like the ladies that went to the tomb said, just like the angels pronounced. This should have been one of those Pentecostal, holiness, toe-tapping, uh, amen, square-dancing, uh, amen, moments in the church. They should have been having a good time and celebrating and trying to figure out, oh my goodness, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Come on, let's go tell somebody he's alive. Amen, he's alive. We got to find him. Surely he's around here somewhere. <laughs> no. Mr. and Ms. Cleo, just so you can get the picture, if my wife wasn't feeling bad this morning. I'd ask her to come up here and be Mrs. Cleo this morning. And we'd walk down the aisle with their heads down, all depressed and sad and messed up in their minds because they don't see Jesus. The same problem when they went to the tomb, the lady said, we don't see Jesus. Where is he? Where have you taken him? Right, they're asking the guards, what have you done with him? The guards are asking him, what did you do to him? We're about to lose our lives here because we let him get out. Do you see Jesus in your life? Amen. These two individuals walking down this road are walking hand in hand, side by side, face to face with the risen Son of God and don't even recognize him. How many times does God work in our lives? How many times does He work miracles all around us? How many times, amen, does He do, do things, uh, amen, for us in our life and we fail to even see and recognize the goodness of God in our lives? We were going to try to sing the song, I See the Evidence of Your Goodness All Over My Life this morning, but we couldn't get the words together. Do you see the evidence of God's goodness all over your life? If you don't, I don't care where you stand at in your relationship with God. If you don't see the goodness of God in your life, there's something wrong with our perception. There's something wrong with our eyes. You see... What they should have known is they came to the tomb that morning and they found the tomb empty. See, they saw an empty tomb and they immediately assumed the worst. They thought the empty tomb was a dead end. They thought the empty tomb was a disappointment. What they didn't recognize, uh, what they didn't know is because they were looking through their natural eyes, uh, amen, trying to see spiritual things, uh, and you can't see spiritual things uh, through your natural eyes, uh, amen. If they would have opened up their eyes of faith uh, and looked into that empty tomb, uh, they would have seen. They would have seen the hope that they were so desperately Looking for, they said, man, we, we would hope he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. Look what Jesus says in verse 25. Oh, foolish ones, 
and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I would have paid anything to be there at that moment. You talk about a Bible study? Forget the food. Forget going to work the next morning. I'm digging in. I'm sitting down and listening to this one. Can you imagine Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who calculated the orbits of the planets and set them into motion? The one who told the ocean, you can only go so far. The one who created the heavens and the earth, amen, went uh, through the Bible beginning in the book of Genesis uh, and walked through the Old Testament uh, and proclaimed all the Scriptures that spoke of Him. Can you imagine? I'm sure he started, amen, with Genesis and the creation. John said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know the story. Amen. He probably said, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, that's me. The one who called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, that's me. The ladder that Jacob saw standing upon earth and rising up to heaven and the angels ascending and descending from heaven, that's me. The great I am who called out from Moses, uh, amen, from Moses out of the burning bush, uh, amen, the one that said, take your shoes off because uh, the place where you're standing on is holy ground, that was me. The one who was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night uh, who led Israel through the wilderness uh, for 40 years. Guess what? Uh, that was me. Amen. The one who was the rock uh, that water flowed out of uh, for 40 years and watered uh, the children of Israel and followed them uh, for 40 years uh, in their wanderings. Uh, that was me. The suffering servant that was talked about in Psalm chapter 22 and Isaiah 53. That's me. The great shepherd that's talked about in Psalm 23. It's me. The one who said he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. The one who said he was a wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Talking about me. The one who said that he was going to suffer and die on an old rugged cross but be raised uh, three days later because God's not going to allow his soul, amen, to remain in hell. He's going to raise it up, uh, amen, and he's going to raise it up on the third. That one is me. They got a lot of things right, but they missed the point because they didn't see Jesus. But I want you to look at verse 28. They drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated he would have gone farther. Isn't that interesting? Jesus walks along beside these two individuals, never introduces himself, say, what's going on? I ain't heard about what's happening. What's, what's going on up here in Jerusalem? Why are y'all so sad? 
They tell them about Jesus and how there's an empty tomb and they don't know where Jesus is at, so they're all depressed, so they're going back to Emmaus. And Jesus is like, okay, guys, have a good day. And he would have walked on. It's interesting because the same thing happened in the story when the disciples are in a boat out in the middle of a lake and a storm comes up. They're right in the center of the lake. A storm comes up. Jesus has stayed behind up on a mountain to pray. Jesus sees them the whole time, and he sees them struggling out there. So the Bible says he goes walking on the water. One of the gospel accounts says he's walking by them on the ship. They thought it was a ghost, and he would have passed them by. Except one of them on the boat decided to cry out. He said, I'm going to take a chance. Jesus, is that you? If you're the Son of God, bid me to come unto you. Otherwise, Jesus was going to walk right by them. And so Mr. and Ms. Cleo have a, have, a, have a moment right here. They don't recognize who's walking beside them, but here's this stranger. And they just, I, I got a feeling, amen, because of what they say here in just a minute. They, they kind of knew there was something different about this man, but he goes to part ways with them, and they're, they're going in there. Miss Cleo elbows Mr. Cleo and says, Honey, invite him over for dinner. Surely he's hungry. Mr. Cleo, oh, I'm sure he's busy. I'm sure he's got better things to do than come to our house today and to all this. And but besides, we've been in Jerusalem for so long. The house is dirty. The dishes are dirty. And I don't even know if we got any flour that's good. I'm going to have to go to the store and get food. I don't know why I got grumpy all of a sudden. She elbows him again. Honey. Now, when your wife, when those of you that are married, when your wife looks at you with them eyes and says, honey, or baby, or knucklehead, whatever she has, whatever word she uses, <laughs> let's be careful. You know, you better just go ahead and do it. If not, what does the Bible say? It's better to sleep on the roof than dwell in a house with a contentious woman. That's the word of God, not mine. Don't get mad at me. He said, fine. So they invite him to come back for something to eat. Let's look at verse, let's go back, 29. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them, verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Pause right there just for a second. Here's another interesting point. The same words that are used here to describe how Jesus prepared this meal and, and partook in this meal with Mr. and Mrs. Cleo are the same words that were used to describe how Jesus, as he sat at the Last Supper and had a Passover meal with his disciples, the same four words are used. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Go back and look at your scripture. Amen. There, You'll see those four words repeated in the Gospels. Amen. When it's talking about the Last Supper. Interesting. Look at the next verse. What happens? Their eyes were open. Verse 31. Their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. What was it? Was it the way that he broke the bread and blessed it, prayed, 
took it and gave it to them? Was it that? Because I don't think those two individuals were sitting at the Last Supper with Jesus. It was only the twelve. But had Jesus done this before? Had they seen the way that he handled himself when he blessed the food and when he broke the bread? Maybe. Could it also be as Jesus is taking the bread and he's breaking it and he's giving it to them that they see the nail prints that are in his hands? Could it be at that moment that Jesus says, now I'm going to let the scales fall from off of their eyes and let them see who I really am. And as soon as they figured out this is Jesus, what happens? He's gone. He vanished from their sight. Amen. What a powerful message. What a powerful lesson for us this morning. Do you see Jesus, do you see him? Amen. When he's there, amen, in the midnight hour, when he's walking with you through the trouble and through the trial and through the struggle and through the situation, uh, amen, that you've got in your life, do you see Jesus, uh, amen, when, you're, when your family, amen, is, is, is going through some things? Uh, amen. Do you see Jesus when your job, uh, amen, is all messed up? Uh, amen. Can you see him in your life? I mean, in these situations. I want to finish up with these last couple verses. Verses 33 and 35, 33 through 35, excuse me. Hallelujah. Let me back up. I got to back up with 32. I missed it. Verse 32 says, And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he taught with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? They recognized there was something going on in that Bible study that they didn't quite understand. It said our hearts were burning within us when he was talking to us and giving us that word on the road. They knew there was something supernatural that was taking place in their life. I'm here to tell you this morning, amen, when Jesus comes into your heart and he invades your life amen if it, it'll feel like it amen it feels like sometimes a burning down in your spirit and down in your soul amen the holy ghost the holy spirit is described amen as a fire god himself is described as a consuming fire john the baptist said jesus is going to baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire amen on the day of pentecost they saw tongues of fire amen there was fire jeremiah said uh, amen shut up in my bones he's talking about the word of god that was within him uh, that he just had to get out he couldn't hold it in he said it's like fire that's within me amen shut up in my bones that uh, amen has got to get out there is something uh, amen when jesus christ inv invades our lives and come into our hearts uh, amen there is a fire there's a burning uh, i mean there is a an, an evidence amen that the jesus is with us amen and he is leading and guiding and directing us hallelujah but do you see him at work in your life so what happens to Mr. and Mrs. Cleo? Let's pick that back up with 33. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Mr. and Mrs. Cleo had an immediate change in travel plans. 
They probably had to call up somewhere in Emmaus and cancel their reservations. I don't know how they did it, whatever they did. They were like, this revelation of Jesus Christ changes everything. we got to tell somebody about this. We cannot keep this to ourselves. They realize they've been heading in the wrong direction the whole time, so they turn around after arriving, it sounds like, in Emmaus, turn right back around and walk the seven miles back to Jerusalem uh, to proclaim, uh, amen, we just saw Jesus. He's alive. He's not dead. Amen. We still believe, uh, amen, what they said. Uh, We believe what took place. Uh, We recognize now that the empty tomb uh, is not a dead end. Uh, That the empty tomb uh, is the beginning uh, of a brand new life. Amen. What a promise. Amen. Sometimes Jesus shows up just to turn us around. We can get off track. We can ignore the warning signs. We may be bopping down the highway. Wrong way. Wrong way. Signs everywhere. We still going. Do not enter. No outlet. Amen. We refuse to see the warning signs, but Jesus will show up right in the middle of our mess and reveal himself to us. When he does, we realize he might be Amen. Might have just been right there with us the whole time and we didn't see it. Maybe Jesus is trying to turn us around today. Maybe some things have happened in your life and in your past that are leading you down a wrong path. Let me ask you this. Do you see Jesus? Do you see him walking right beside you? Do you see him trying to encourage and strengthen you? Do you see him during your morning Bible devotion and prayer time? Are you just going through the motions? Do you sense Him trying to change some areas of your life and get you back on the right path? Do you feel His presence with you right now? I see the evidence of God's goodness all over your life. Every single one of you. That should make our hearts smile this morning to know that God's goodness is all over our lives. I see God wanting to bless your life. I see God wanting to do great things in your life. I'm going to read this this morning because God poured this into my heart yesterday and I'm going to mess it up if I don't. See, God wants to do great things in your life and the devil doesn't like it. He's mad, he's frustrated, he's jealous, and he wants you back. He doesn't want you living for Jesus. He doesn't want you to see Jesus at work in your life. He doesn't want you to realize that the empty tomb means Jesus has won the victory. He doesn't want you to realize that if you and I look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith, that Christ's victory is our victory. He doesn't want you to realize that Satan is under your feet. He doesn't want you to realize that greater is he that is on the inside of you than he that is in the world. He doesn't want you to realize all this because he knows as soon as you do, dead things are going to start coming back to life. 
things are going to start turning around. Things are going to start going in the right direction. Maybe that disappointment, that struggle, that hurt that has got you going in the wrong direction this morning, amen, has got you in a place uh, where you don't see Jesus. Maybe you're walking around with your head down and your heart broken because, because all you see is a tomb. All you see is dead and buried. All you see is it looks like hope is gone. But Jesus sent this message this morning to remind you that he is pursuing you on your road to Emmaus. He is trying to get your attention this morning to remind you that Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. He's pursuing you this morning to remind you to stop looking for living things in dead places. Jesus is not in the tomb. He got up. He's alive. And because He's alive, hope is alive this morning. And because He lives, uh, you can face tomorrow. Because He lives, uh, all fear is gone. Because He lives, your situation is not hopeless. Do you see Jesus this morning? Not with your natural eyes. Do you see Him through eyes of faith? Are you burdened down because all you see are empty tombs in your life? Are you looking for hope in all the wrong places? Are you unable to see what God is trying to do in your life because you keep hanging around dead things and dead people? Are you on the road to Emmaus and need Jesus to turn us around this morning? Cry out this. Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. God, that I may see you. God, ignite a fire down in my spirit. Set my heart on fire this morning. And let me see, Jesus, what I thought was going to be my greatest disappointment is about to become my greatest victory this morning. Say, Jesus, it may feel like Friday. I've had a lot of Fridays. It may even feel like Saturday. Jesus, remind me that it's not about just arriving at the destination. It's about taking a journey. And I've got to make it through Friday and Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday night. Amen. To get to Sunday morning. Uh, amen. But Jesus remind me, uh, amen, that the disappointment of Friday and Saturday is turning into victory on Sunday morning. Amen. Because dead things, uh, amen, can still come back to life this morning. Jesus remind me there's never a moment Never a situation, never a problem, never a struggle that I can face on my own, but that I can't face knowing that you're walking right beside me. Jesus, open my eyes this morning that I can see you more clearly. Stand to your feet this morning if you're able to stand. Hallelujah. I apologize this morning. I just can't preach the way I want to preach. But I know what God laid on my heart. Because I was going a different direction this morning. 
I had planned it for three weeks. I knew exactly what I was going to talk about this morning. I had it all planned out. I had an outline. I had bullet points. I had sub points. I had, I had it. And I realized somewhere in that three weeks, Jesus said, you might be headed to Emmaus. And God turned me around and sent me a different direction this morning. And I didn't preach it well. But it ain't about how well I preach it. God's Word says that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It says that His Word will go out and accomplish what He sent it out to do and it will not return back void. It will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So I want to pray a simple prayer this morning. I'm just going to ask you if you need prayer, I want to spend some time in the altar. If you want special prayer this morning over a need in your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me, God, for my failure. Forgive me, God, for my shortcomings. Forgive me, God, for my inadequacies and my inabilities. Forgive me, God, for whatever it is this morning that may be standing between me and you. And I ask you, God, in this moment, in a quietness, in a stillness. God, that you would speak to hearts and lives that are in this place this morning. In only the way that you can. As Elijah stood at the mouth of the cave after the biggest failure of his life, and what would be the beginning of the end of his ministry, God, he heard the wind. God, the wind was so strong and powerful that it broke the very rocks and the mountains. But God, you were not there. God, he saw, heard the fire. God, he heard all these things, God, great and mighty things that happened. God, but you were not in any of those things. He thought it was going to be in the dramatic. But God, you spoke to Elijah in a small, still voice. And you simply said, Elijah, what are you doing? I feel your spirit this morning speaking to us today. What are you doing? You're looking for me in the dramatic. You're looking for me to show up in a miracle. You're looking for me to 
roll back the heavens, come down on a white horse and rescue you. And you don't even realize I already have. That I'm walking beside you right now. That I am in the middle of what you're going through and what you're facing. That I am still your friend this morning that sticks closer than a brother. That I've never left you, I've never forsaken you, and I never will. God, help us to realize and know this morning who you are. Help us to see you, God, not through natural eyes, but through eyes of faith. To know I might be on Friday. I might feel like it's Saturday. And God, I may even be like those who went to the tomb that day and looked into the empty tomb and still saw dead things, even though the tomb was empty. But God, help us to recognize and know this morning that the the empty tomb is not a dead end, and what we're going through is not a dead end. But God, there's hope, and there is a new beginning, and there is a restoration in you this morning. I ask it in Jesus' name that you would touch the hearts and lives, God, that are here. And the hearts and lives, God, that are not here this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.